0: Good morning, my friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you are here today. God's going to build you up real strong in faith so that you can do the amazing things that God has called you to do. Look, I know that you can do a lot in your natural abilities. I know you're gifted. I know you're talented, and I know you have some special things on the inside of you, but you're going to need God's help to do the impossible, praise God, because there are things that are out of human reach that only God can perform, praise God, that's why your life is so exciting, that's why your destiny will be fulfilled, because you're going to implement your faith in great ways. Today we're talking about the empowerment of faith for dominion, and let's begin today in Hebrews chapter 11, let's start in verse 32, but first let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word today, we ask for your Holy Spirit to bring the illumination, the revelatory knowledge to walk in the light of your word, and to know how to get over into the dominion realm. Now, Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for the proper application of faith and the amazing results that your people are going to achieve for your glory. Now, we thank you right now in advance. In Jesus' name we pray, and together around the world, we say amen. Praise God. And I'm so glad that so many of you are watching from around the world, not only in America and uh, Canada and the U.K., but also many countries as well, as far away as the Orient and all the way uh, down to Australia and even New Zealand. Praise God. We just welcome you here, and we're so glad that you're hungry for God's Word. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, What more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. I have a feeling, my friends, there are some things in your life that need to be subdued, (laughs) that are being a little bit resistant, that are putting up uh, some efforts to resist. And uh, these are things that would be negative circumstances, mountain-type situations, obstacles, hurdles, whatever we want to label them. The bottom line is that they need to be subdued. How do we do it? We do it through faith. And if necessary, it is possible even to subdue kingdoms. We have seen throughout church history, throughout biblical history, great men and women of God who stepped in at precise moments under the anointing of the Spirit And as they exercised bold faith in the God that they served, uh, God came on the scene. And yes, even kingdoms were subdued, but there was faith involved. Praise God. Others worked righteousness, obtained promises. That's very important. We all have not only promises that are to the body corporately, the body of Christ, but very importantly, individual promises that are tailored, to say, uh, tailor made, and designed. I'm trying to trying to bake two words in the one, but that's what I'm trying to say. They're customized promises just for you, and they're also just as important because your victory, it reverberates throughout the body. You can't throw a stone into a pond without there being a ripple effect, even if you do it in the ocean and you think it doesn't make an effect, it doesn't go very far, we have seen through science that it actually does. I have seen a doctoral thesis on the the outworking of the butterfly, just a little butterfly when it moves its wing, and you think, well, that's just maybe moving the air, maybe just a few inches around it. But science has proven that when a butterfly flaps its wings, there is a reverberating effect that carries on and on and on. So what you contribute, the victories that you win, greatly influence your brothers and sisters in the Lord, which is why you need to obtain your promises. And others stopped the mouths of lions, quench the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Hallelujah. There's deliverance. who Praise God. God can get you out of a Hot situation. God can get you out of the middle of a shootout uh, uh, or uh, uh, whatever it might be that's going on that's very perilous and dangerous. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. The aliens? Pastor Stephen, is that referring to UFOs and space aliens? No. <laughs> the, I guess the new King James needs to get a little bit more of an update. That would be foreigners, the armies of the foreigners. And uh, on and on it goes. Women receive their dead raised to life again, and it's just it's just miracle after miracle that is received through the appropriation of bold and strong faith. So today, I want to talk about how faith empowers you for dominion. Let me give you a few keys. Number one, faith establishes a spiritual partnership of the believer with his or her God. Woo! Wow. Now think about this, partnership with God. You know, sometimes in the business world, there's somebody with the money. Uh, He would be like an angel funder. He's the person that's got the money, but you need somebody else with the product or somebody else with the idea, and then you bring both together in partnership, and the next thing you know, you have a corporation that's being formed that can bless many, many people, but my friends, faith establishes a spiritual partnership of the believer with his or her God. My goodness, this is powerful. Look at verse 29 of the same chapter. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Now, why did it work for God's people and that didn't work for the Egyptians? Well, we see here that God's people were in faith. This is the faith chapter. But we also know that the Egyptians certainly did not have a spiritual partnership with God. They had a spiritual partnership with the devil with Satan, their father. That's what Pharaoh was a type of. He was a word picture. Now He was a real person, of course, but he was a representative or what theologians call a type or shadow of Satan himself. Wow. But Satan was overcome. Pharaoh was overcome. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So the Egyptians couldn't do it because they were not in partnership with God. But my friends, through faith, we are engrafted into God himself and there is a uniting where we become one in the spirit with God. I find this amazing in the book of Romans. Now out of all the the letters that and the books that Paul wrote, the book of Romans reads somewhat like a legal treatise. It is uh, very theological in its nature. You can't just blast through it. it's not a fast read. it's too dense for that. But I think it's quite amazing when we get to Romans chapter 11 and verse 17, take a look at this. And if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you you will then say branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand how by faith. Now catch that you stand by faith. In other words, now you have been grafted in. How do you stand in that position? You stand by faith. Do not be haughty. In other words, don't be proud or arrogant about that, but fear for if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. <laughs> so what, what does that mean? It means you better keep your faith online. Praise God. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. So, my friends, it is by faith we are grafted into God. So we become united with God. So think of it like this. Whatever can't overthrow or overcome God, now that you're in him, it can't overthrow you or overcome you either. In other words, anything that God would throw at the devil, uh, Satan is now a defeated foe. But if the enemy would also try to overthrow you or come against you, uh, well, it wouldn't work against God. And guess what? Because you're in him, his strength is infused into you. It cannot overthrow you either. And that's the revelation that you need to catch. So faith establishes your partnership with God, which does what? Well, it it empowers you for dominion. And that's a strong word. I know some theologians get nervous, very nervous actually with the word dominion. But all the way back in the garden, God told Adam and he told his wife, I want you to take dominion, take dominion over the earth. Uh, in other words, don't just play around with the dirt. There's minerals in it. You pull the minerals out and you separate them. You've got metals. You begin to make things and uh, begin to take dominion over the water. Begin to take dominion over the air. Begin to take dominion over the animals. Don't just look at the horse. You could you could tame the horse and ride the horse. And on, on and on it goes. <laughs> but take dominion. He even told uh, Adam, take dominion over everything that creeps. You know, the creepy crawlies on the earth. You know, in other words, get the ants out of uh, out of your house, you know, let's uh, b- build a house, create a slab foundation that way you don't have snakes uh crawling into your house at night. Uh but you can still today take dominion over the creeps, all the creepy things of life. Glory to God. So it is a powerful word, but it is our inheritance in Jesus, absolutely and we want to uh live up to it to honor Jesus for the tremendous price that he paid for us to enjoy it. Praise God. Now, let's go on to number two. How does faith empower the believer? Okay, number two, faith taps into the power of God at will. Now, this is very, very interesting. I want to say it again. Faith taps into the power of God, and it can do so at will. So every time faith comes alive by the Word of God, you're actually tapping into the power of God. Look at this in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 4. Let's go back to Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 12. I would like to go actually deeper into this, but for the sake of time, I'm only going to pull out a few things, but really uh, verse 12 is a whole sermon in itself, but let's just cover a couple of important things for the word of god now when you were if you were to read this through in greek or have an interlinear new testament where you see the english and you see the greek superimposed above it it would say for the logos of god now there are other places like ephesians chapter 6 and also uh, Matthew chapter four, when you see the word being used, the word there in Greek would be rhema. But here we have the Logos word of God. So the Logos word is all of the word of God, and it's all good for building up your life. It's all good for uh, doctrine, teaching, and bringing a uh, loving correction into the life of somebody that might be going in the wrong direction. Praise the Lord. I had a very godly person share a uh, book. Uh, With me, and they said, I recommend that you read this book. It's very popular. And so I briefly looked at the book, didn't buy it, and uh, did some research on the author and uh, didn't have a good feeling about it. Uh, But the author, uh, yep, is a universalist. In other words, he believes that. Uh, in the end, everybody's saved. Even the devil's going to get somehow pardoned, and Judas will get pardoned, and uh, blah, blah, blah. We all end up in the—he uh, was basically saying nobody ends up in hell. And, it is, and in a weird way, he was also saying nobody might even end up in heaven. We don't even know where we're going to end up. And this was a celebrated theologian that many uh, well-known ministers uh, read this man's writings, and uh, honestly, that's heresy. And you know what? Paul the Apostle said, if any man preach another gospel, in other words, like there's another way to get to heaven except through Jesus and his shed blood. He said, if any man preach another gospel, let him be accursed. You know, a lot of these people, some of these ministers that have gone off track, I mean like total reprobates where they're saying you can live your life however you want to live. You can sleep around all you want. You can do any kind of recreational drug. You could do anything and still go to heaven uh and then suddenly they get struck with a terminal disease and they lie there on their deathbed still uh uh professing uh their belief in the metaphysical world and all kinds of baloney i don't feel sorry for them i don't, because paul said if they preach another gospel let them be cursed let a curse come upon them why because they are leading people into hell Kind of strong, isn't it? But it is the B I B L E, and it's the good old book for me. Look, we're staying on the straight and narrow. We're going to go to heaven, aren't we? Praise God. (laughs) I don't want to go to anywhere where the devil's at. Praise the Lord, nor with his crowd or his group. Praise God. So let's stay on the path. Here we have in verse 12 again for the Logos, the Word of God, is, notice that it's living. Uh, It's not like any other book in a sense where all of the secular books have no life in them. And uh, you could read them and you might find them entertaining because they have good information or something like that. But there's, a, there's absolutely no life in them at all. For the word of God is living and powerful. And this is what we want to look at because faith taps into the power of God at will. And the word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So here again, Just like Paul brought up in Ephesians chapter 6, where he mentioned the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema word of God. Here again, we have God's word presented in a sense as a sword and it's double edged. And many of the swords back in that day were not until, you know, they figured out an armory. Hey, let's make it double edged and do uh, double damage. And eventually, the Romans got that figured out really well. And it says, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so, there's no gray areas with the Word. It can get so illuminating that what we might think is quite obscure, uh, when the light goes on, you can even read the fine print, and everything is wide open. Praise God. So, Uh, Paul, of course, being a Roman citizen, understood the Roman culture. And the Romans were, at that time, the greatest military force in the earth. And that's why they had so many territories that they had conquered, including the land of Israel. They had this tremendous army. But their army went through processes of learning, just like any army, any national military would. And, you know, in the early days of Rome, they had a really good army, but they, they ran into some major problems when they went up against the soldiers of Carthage. At that time, before that battle, the Romans used a really long sword. It actually looked like a broadsword. It would probably, out of the different swords that the army kind of like went through, it would be the most like beautiful looking sword. Why? It was real long, and it looked like really mean. It looked like something like some huge guy would swing around. Uh, that's the only problem. The only way you could swing it is if you were a huge guy. And it was uh, it was a broadsword. It took two hands on the handle, and the, the blade was only sharpened on one side, and the other side was a blunt side. And when they went up the, uh, against the soldiers in the War of Carthage, Oh, wow. Those soldiers really put it to the Romans. Their swords were a lot shorter and lighter, and they could swing them with one hand. And Rome uh, realized we were going to have to make a major update with our swords. And so they went through five different Types of swords over the centuries until they got to one that was the masterpiece. And this sword was called the uh, Machir- uh, Machira. Let me put a picture up on it uh, on the screen so that you can take a look at it. This thing, my friends, was a killer. Uh, and it was very interesting because they learned that we need to shorten our swords to be more effective and to have them lighter. And so this sword was only 19 inches long but both sides of it were razor sharp. And it's got an interesting design where the tip tips upward and the tip was also extremely sharp, but it's tipped upward. So a Roman soldier could swing this sword, could thrust it very easily with one hand. And here's the catch when they would thrust it. And if they got it into you, the the trick then was to twist it. And they would, and they would twist it. And when they twisted that sword and pulled it out, it would completely disembowel the person. It would pull out all of their intestines, uh, literally out out of the person's body. I know that's very graphic, but you had to understand this was a killer sword that the uh, uh, who, the, the armory leaders developed. And with this sword, uh, Rome conquered like nobody else could. So there is a lot to say with you know, warfare technology, and at that time, they would have been at the forefront of it. And you have to also understand that in the area of ancient warfare, uh, it's not like you have to chop somebody's arm off to stop them or cut their head off. It only took, look, look, it only took two inches of penetration of a sword, even if you didn't get it all the way to them and, you know, whatever. It only takes two inches of penetration into a person to kill them, or if it doesn't kill them, they're done. You you can't you you take two a uh, two inch penetration by a sword, uh, you're you're out of commission. You you may survive, but you may not. But one thing's for sure, you're not fighting anymore after that. So, <laughs> wow, uh, what a brutal uh, time to live in history, where life in many ways was very very cheap, my friends. But faith it enables you to skillfully use the sword of God's word to win the battles in life. And here's the thing. You can just like you could grab that sword as a Roman soldier and swing it at will. You can grab the word of God and you can just start swinging it. I mean, you can be versed in it, skilled in it, know it, stand on it, believe it, speak it, confess it, utilize it. I'm telling you, you can give the devil so much trouble. He doesn't know what to do with you. Woo. Praise God, except yield and get conquered again. Woo. Praise the Lord. So with the word of God with that sword you can disembowel debt you can rip and cut the shreds the sicknesses that would try to cling to your body and you could take God's word and just just literally cut them to pieces until it just dies, gives up, breaks, falls apart and just says can't handle can't handle the word there's too much power in it but you have to know that praise God for the word of God is powerful. It's powerful. So, faith taps into the power of God at will. I'm telling you, it's a power sword, and you need to use it because the enemy is terrified of it. Just like the other uh, adversaries of Rome, they knew that Rome was the... Uh, the best army for several reasons. One, they were the best-fed army because you have to have a supply chain of all the food coming in, and so they had the logistics. Uh, they they were building roads. Up. The roads that the Roman soldiers built, many of those roads are still, strange as it is, being used today. They understood how to have layer upon layer where you get all the sod off and then you put a base layer down of crushed rock and then you put another layer over that and then you keep layering it then with the final layer of stones. And 2000 years later, those roads are still being utilized all in different parts of Europe and even in the Middle East. Praise God. So let's move on to number three. How does, uh, concerning, how does faith empower you for dominion? So number three is that faith brings divine intervention into your situation. You know, the situation may get a little too hot in the sense for us to handle, but it's not too hot for God. There is no fire too hot for God. Amen. So our God is a consuming fire. So he can come in. That's what divine intervention is. It's God coming in on the scene. And I'll tell you what, when he does, uh, what may be looking like a calamity or a loss or a major setback, God can step in and actually turn it into an extraordinary victory. Now, look at this in Mark chapter 10. We're going over to the gospel of uh, Mark, which is my favorite of the four gospels. Mark chapter 10, let's go to verse 47. I'm so glad, by the way, that you are here today and that you are a lover of God's word. Praise God. Now, verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, this was uh, blind Bartimaeus, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What is he wanting? He's wanting some intervention. So he heard about Jesus. How does faith come? It comes by hearing the word. He had obviously heard all of these reports and he's like, that's enough for me. I, I believe it. He, and he was, basically, uh, he was basically saying within his heart, I not only believe that he can heal me, I actually believe he's the Messiah because this is what the, the, you know, the Torah said would be a description of the Messiah. And that's why he calls him son of David, which is what a messianic title. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying, Jesus, I believe you're the, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. Wow. Praise God. By the way, that kind of talk, which is faith talk always catches God's attention. So you have a lot of curiosity seekers. You have a lot of people along the line, packed along the road, just to kind of like watch. They're like spectators. But faith takes you from being a spectator to being a participant. So Jesus stood still. I told, I told you, it'll grab his attention. Still will today. Still will today. So Jesus stood still. What is that? That's divine intervention coming into your life and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise. He is calling you. I'm telling you crowds are fickle. Watch out for crowds and watch out for doubters and powders. They, they are very, very unstable. It's like what James said, James chapter one, the unstable person is the person that asks for wisdom and then doesn't even really believe they're going to get it. And they're not, they're not. So what is that a description of? Somebody who's actually unstable. Maybe they don't even really understand what true biblical faith is. So they're very unstable and they could flip on a dime. Uh, Yes, Pastor Stephen, we're in agreement. Uh, Two hours later, they're totally out of agreement and maybe never getting back into it again. (laughs) Praise God. And it's like James said, let that man not expect that he's going to receive something because he's not. So we want to really work the word. Praise God. Now let's continue on to verse 51. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And you know what? He got it right there on the spot. What is that? That's faith bringing divine intervention into a personal situation where you have a personal need, or you need God to come on the scene. It's your faith that causes God to come on the scene. Now, I really like this. I had the Lord share something with me on this one. Mark chapter two, and let's drop down to verse two. Let me grab a a drink of some hot water here today. Oh, that's good. Praise the Lord. Sometimes I like water. Sometimes I like tea, but you know, if the tea is too flavored... It kind of makes your mouth uh, like salivate. Um, I remember one time I was talking to an elder and uh, he was bringing the the water up on the platform for the speaker. The speaker was R.W. Shambach and somebody had put a water in the lemon and squeezed the lemon. And so uh, Shambach you know, he's preaching away. He was a real preacher and he grabbed that water with all that lemon in there and he, and he drank all of that water and he tried to keep talking and he stopped. He said, whoo. He said, I feel like I could spit a Texas mile. (laughs) Well, for those of you that have to talk a lot, you'll understand uh, certain things, they activate glands or whatever in your mouth. You have to find what works for you. Praise the Lord. Anyhow, a little off the subject, but a little blessing note there for somebody who needs that. Mark chapter two, verse two, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them not even near the, the door. And he preached the word to them. So what did Jesus do when he got a crowd? Did he uh, stand on his head and play the ukulele upside down? No. I mean, it's nice to have some entertainment in the sense of like uh, maybe before we get started. Yeah. Let's do some praise and worship or, or, you know, share somebody, share a testimony, but you want to get to the meat and potatoes, which is what he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men praise God Now we know the rest of the story these these four men are going to realize they cannot get into the house by the way there's a lot of discussion on whose house that was. And when you really dig into it, it appears that it was Jesus' house. Oh, Pastor Stephen, Jesus didn't have a house. He lived underneath the bridge. He lived on Hobo Lane. Uh no, when the disciples of John went up to him and, and they said, Where do you live? What did he say? Oh, I'm just a barefoot preacher. I I live on Hobo Street. You want to ride in the boxcar with me? Here comes the train. (laughs) No. (laughs) He said, come see. And what did he do? He went and showed him him where he lived. He had a house, not a tent, a house. If you want to stay in a tent during the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, that's nice. But once it's over, you go back into your house. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you know, there's many scriptures. If you if you want to believe believe God for a home, and move beyond the apartment, move beyond whatever and uh, renting or whatever, and get into a home, use your faith. There's plenty of scriptures. Read those types of scriptures. It's shocking to see how many men and women of God it says in scriptures, and they went to their home. I mean, especially with the prophets in the Old Testament. Samuel the prophet would deliver the word, and then he went to his home. Uh, What? He had a prophet? I thought they all lived under trees and lived down by the creek and had birds feed them. (laughs) It's shocking how many of them, and it says, and he went to his home. Mm -mm. See, sometimes people, they build these like... Uh, imaginary, what would be called like spiritual air castles, which are like weird theories that people think, where well, everything has to be spiritualized, and they don't realize sometimes just the basic common sense normalcy that uh, even great men and women of God have to have in order to have a uh, a structured and stable life. Praise the Lord, glory to God, thank you, Jesus. Now this is interesting. So the four men take the paralyzed guy on a mat or cot up on the roof. And the Lord spoke something to me one time that was very interesting. He said, when your faith is ready, your four men will show up. Is that not wild? Think about that. Pastor Stephen, I'm waiting on God. Well, well just a minute. You've been waiting on God for 23 years. <laughs> oh, yes, Pastor Stephen. I like that number. Well, let's not keep going higher. In other words, there's divine intervention, but often you can trace it to faith. God steps in or the help that you need will come when what? Your faith is ready. So when this guy was ready to go for it, no matter what it takes, guess what? Suddenly, four people. That's how many it took. You couldn't have done it with two, you couldn't have done it with one, but it took four. Suddenly, there's four guys and they're all free and they're all, they've got the time and they're, they've got the heart and they're wanting to do it. And not only that, they're all in faith also for you to get a miracle. Hey, wow. look, Look, this is not luck. This is not coincidence. When your faith is ready, your four men will show up. Woo. Faith brings divine intervention into your situation. God sent those four men, those four men, their hearts were touched and suddenly they became as one. And they're like in unity. They're like, we're going to get this guy to Jesus, no matter what they took the roof off. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now we know that Jesus has laid down the carpentry tools, the, um, the architectural tools Uh, and those types of things. But look, I'm sure he knew a lot of people. He's like, probably when he left later, hey, look, uh, you know, you and I used to work together, go up there and fix, uh, fix my roof for me. Praise the Lord. Let me say this also for you preachers. Not every disturbance within a meeting is the devil. Now, many times it is who wants to pull a people's attention off the word that's being ministered and get them distracted on maybe a uh, screaming baby or maybe something else, you know, that's manifesting, that's distracting people. But sometimes there can be divine disturbances and you need to know how to preach through that. Think about it. Jesus never stopped preaching. He's preaching the whole time the roof is being taken apart and you have to be in a flow where you have prepared yourself in God's presence. So when things like this happen that are not on the notes, that are not on the itinerary for the meeting, that you can still flow with the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, there was some action going on with the roof being taken off. And it's not like roofs and houses were like 20 feet high. I mean, the roof maybe was only eight feet high. All of this could have been going on two feet above his head. And he preached through the whole thing. Wow. Praise God. When the the anointing of the spirit is there, you can. Now, if it's an evil distraction and you don't stop it, the enemies, uh, can cause that to break the flow and the spirit could lift off. But if it's something like this, where it's, it's pure, then, uh, you can go with that flow with both going on while you're still preaching and people are still receiving. And at the same time, this thing's going on. And then they could, they converge for a miracle. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Must have been a pretty large opening to to allow a, a bed to be lowered down. A lot going on here, praise God. But my friends, when your faith is ready, your four men, which is divine intervention, will show up in your life praise God, whatever that thing is. Maybe you just need one, one person to show up a skilled person in a certain area that can come in and maybe fix something for you or do something for you without you having to pay, you know, an astronomical amount of money. Maybe you just need a favor, a blessing or something like that. I'm telling you, God, uh, God can do it for you as you stand in faith. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, divine intervention is a product of faith. When we remodeled this uh, fellowship hall that I'm in, the first thing we did that when we purchased the property here is we gutted uh, this building, and that meant gut the entire kitchen, take all the cabinets, take all the old stuff out that was, you know, like 50 years old, and we hauled it all to the landfill. And the moment it was like removed. And gone and then ready for the next phase. Although we didn't have the ability to step into the next phase, but the moment we had completed all we could do, suddenly a person showed up and said, Hey, I'm a professional tile person who, and he lived out of state in Virginia. And he said, I'd be happy to come down and lay all the tile for your bathrooms and for your kitchen and do all the backsplash work and everything. And we're like, wow, praise the Lord have at it. And he came in and and he did it at a very high level, laid all Italian tile, put all of the subfloor underneath, ran it up the walls, did the backsplash in the kitchen, did everything, didn't charge us one penny. Brought his whole team, brought all of the products, all of the materials and installed all of it. All for the glory of God, didn't charge the church, the ministry a penny. Praise God. What happened? He showed up, but we were in faith, so we did all we could do, and then boom, God stepped in, divine intervention. Same way with the sanctuary. We did all that we could do. We did all of the natural cleaning, everything that we could do within our ability. And then when we had accomplished that, but yet there were still so many other needs, God sent one person. And this one person, guess what? He owned a home, a home improvement store. Not a little one, a big one. <laughs> and so, because uh, uh, I think his own home, his, his house, he has like a seven or 8,000 square foot home. He's got a pretty big house, but it's beautiful. It's up on top of a hill, but he owns an entire home improvement store. And so anything that the church needed, By the way, how many of you know when a church building is almost 150 years old? Uh, Yeah, it needs a little TLC. He uh, re-drywalled all of the rooms brand new, uh, put new electrical, uh, put in brand new Anderson Silverlight windows, everything. And he's bringing all of it at no charge to the church and then installing everything and uh, staying at uh, weeks and weeks for at a time and just hooking everything up and just like, and it was just, God was doing miracle after miracle after miracle. Why? Because when your faith is online, not to be static, but to be moving forward, you apply that pressure, that force of faith. I tell you what, it causes divine interventions so that you don't live forever on a stuck plateau. Woo, hallelujah. You're about ready to go to the next level. Amen. Keep using your faith and watch. Just what you need will show up. A person, uh, a contact or whatever it might be. But uh, faith brings divine intervention into your situation. Praise God. Now, let's go back to our question. How does faith empower you for dominion? And let's go down to number four. And let me say this, that number four is whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And by the way, you already know this. You are born of God. Praise the Lord Jesus. We see this in first John chapter five, verse four, for whatever is born of God, overcomes the world. Oh, hallelujah. That's the the world system and all of the sin and all of the traps and snares of the enemy that are laid through the various uh, uh, works that he has to work with, such as the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and all of these different things. But whatever is born of God overcomes all of that overcomes all of that. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Praise God. So whatever is born of God will overcome the world and give you that empowerment for dominion. I want you to notice Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 24. Now listen to this. Rise, take your journey, and cross over the river Arnon. Look, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it and engage him in battle. Praise the Lord forever. Now, I need to let you know that there are giants in every believer's promised land. Mine, yours, and every other believer on the earth. Praise God. But you need to realize you've got a killer sword in your hand, and you can you can wield that sword by your will to rise up and say, "I am going to take what God has promised me." Woo, and I'm going to engage, and I'm going to begin to go forward. Praise the Lord. So you subdue your enemies by the spirit of faith, and faith is really the cure for fear. Mm-mm. We see from Mark chapter four. Verse 40, Jesus said, Why? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So unbelief, being in fear is a product of not having faith. Praise the Lord. So whatever is born of God overcomes the world. We overcome the world through our faith. Praise God. The stronger you are in faith, uh, the less you'll know of the spirit of fear. Praise God. And so we're going to fight the good fight of faith. I want to read to you first Corinthians chapter 16 and verse nine for a great and effective door has opened to me. Now, many people would be excited about it and and rightfully so we we should be, but we need to also balance that with the reality that the enemy is not excited about that. Okay, so watch, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now, we're not going to become demon conscience. We're not going to be, uh, uh, how can I say, taking our focus off of God and being concerned about what the enemy's doing or planning or whatever. But I will say this, you need to be aware, he's a pretty smart uh, tactician, and you need to be on your toes spiritually. God can open great doors, and you need to be aware that there are adversaries, but with the spirit of faith, you can overcome every single one of them, where you fight the good fight of faith, and you receive what God has given to you, and you possess your Canaan land. Mm -mm. All right, let's go to the number five. And we're talking today uh, today about how does faith empower you for dominion? I see you having dominion in your life. I I see you not as being a victim. I see you as being a victor. I see you not as somebody going around looking for people to to pity you and uh, shed a tear for you. No, I see people looking at you saying, show me how you, uh, how you're doing this. How are you like constantly overcoming and moving forward? What is your secret? What is going on? praise God. It's because of the vibrant faith that is allowing you to exercise dominion in your world. Praise the Lord. Now, number five, number five, faith commits God's integrity to confirm his word. This is very important. Again, faith commits God's integrity to confirm his word. I like this in second Timothy chapter two, And verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. God's word is true. Woo. Oh, amen. And we're going to agree with that. My friends, faith comes alive on any biblical subject. When that happens and that subject that you're reading about sparks your faith and your faith comes alive, then God's integrity is committed to perform and to bring that to pass in your life. So God's word is alive. It will quicken you, which is why we need to consume it like food. And as we do, then as, and and as we stand on it, now God sees that and he commits to bring it to pass. Praise the Lord. Now the enemy will test you in this area, but hold your ground in God will step in. Praise the Lord. The enemy will test you. So you can stake your claim on the word of God. And often that's why persecution comes. The only reason really why a believer would experience persecution is because of your firm, unrelenting stand on that belief, which is the belief in God's word. You're standing on what God said. And it's your bold stance that causes the enemy to get upset and try to manifest perhaps through some people. Praise God. But the enemy will test you in this area, but as you hold your ground, you will see that God will step in and he will perform what he has said. Why? It's a matter of God's holy integrity concerning his word. He'll do it. But yes, the enemy can contest you. And there's different areas of the word where you can believe, maybe in the area for healing, maybe in the area to overcome financially, maybe in the area of uh, the word working with your mind, uh, bringing cleansing and bringing healing from trauma or negative past experiences where the enemy would try to um, uh, harass you with past memories, whatever that might be. There's victory in the word, but as you stand on it, You'll, you'll see the breakthrough. Now, I want us to go to Isaiah chapter 59, and let's take a look just for a moment at verse 19. I really like this verse. I have had personal encounters with the Holy Spirit through this verse, and get ready. I believe you're going to know the Holy Spirit also in a, in a very real way, where you will be able to say, I know exactly what this verse means. I've experienced it. Okay, now watch this. Watch. Verse 19, uh, and I want to skip past part A to part B. In other words, the latter half of the verse of the scripture. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Now, I have heard some preachers say that the, the, uh, Translators put the comma in the wrong place. It's like they're trying to say that in an effort to almost like say, we overwhelm everything all the time and we never ever have any real struggles. But every translation, I haven't ever found one. Every single translation I've ever read of the Old Testament puts the comma in the right place just like the New King James does. When the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So let me just be honest. The enemy, he can pour in sometimes, and it seems like an absolute flood. And what you believed and maybe what the day before or a few days earlier, or maybe even that morning, you felt so strong and so confident in concerning your victory and your stance. He can come in and he can put the pressure on in a way that sometimes is almost unbelievable. And the only way you can actually stand is not in your own strength. And if you think you can, you don't really know who he is. He is very, very smart, very, very tricky, and he's been doing this for about 6,000 years. So if you don't know the Holy Spirit, there are battles you can never win, especially in the area in the battle of purity because the enemy can come like a flood. Woo! You're thinking, oh, Lord. (laughs) Look, we all have inner inclinations, And you're not fully safe until you're in the harbor of heaven where you're out of this body that has so many weaknesses. But because the Spirit of God lives in us and we have been born of the Spirit, we are born of God, that power potential is in there to overcome even these crazy things of our body, not only internally, but all of the stuff externally that the enemy, he has tools to work with all over the place. You know, at home in my office on my wall, I have a picture of the North Carolina coastline, and it, uh, it has marks on the coast of the areas noting all of the shipwrecks. And they are there by the hundreds, hundreds upon hundreds and hundreds of shipwrecks off the Carolina coast because of the many dangers that the eye cannot pick up and discern. You know, there's an area in North Carolina, 30 miles off the coast of North Carolina in an area where you're thinking, oh, we're not even close to land. Let's say that you were sailing from Europe and you were coming to, uh, to America and you're back a couple hundred years ago and you're coming to, let's say, North Carolina and you're 30 miles offshore and you're thinking, wow, we're still really in deep water. Nothing to be concerned about until we get a couple of miles close to shore. Would you believe 30 miles off of our shore? There's an underwater reef system that's only six feet beneath the water line and it has sunk hundreds and hundreds of ships over the centuries because you think you're out in deep water and the next thing you know you hit this and your ship starts going down and what happens you're another statistic i'm telling you the enemy he can lay plots schemes traps all over the place why this is the world system that he governs and operates in and you you've got to be on your toes you've got to be walking with the lord and i'm telling you he can bring the heat Absolutely. What is your ultimate fallback on? It is the Holy Spirit. When the enemy comes in like a flood and everything that God has promised you, and that one thing that you're believing God so strongly with all of your heart for, and sometimes you can feel like you're on the mountaintop, but other times that enemy, he can come with, and he'll usually come often when you're physically tired, maybe when you're having a rough day, maybe when maybe when you skipped some devotional time and he's very, uh, he is a tremendous uh, tactician. I'll give that to him. And that's when he'll launch an attack. And the next thing you know, you're, you're in a fight. You're in a, you're in a fight that is a supernatural battle. How do you, how do you get through it? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard. Now in the Hebrew, that word standard means a war banner. And one minister, when the enemy, when Satan came against him one time and tried to stop his ministry from going forward, the spirit of God spoke this verse to him and said, the spirit of the Lord will lift up an armed resistance against him, against the enemy praise God. So it's a war banner, but I'm telling you, it's God. It is God in raw power, stepping in against something that your humanity is not equipped to deal with. Mm -mm. Oh, pastor Stephen, I got this. Oh, the, the devil loves, he loves Christians that say stuff like that. I've got this. No problem. Stand back. Moses, stand back. David, you guys ain't got nothing on me. I can't uh, brother. You don't know what you're up against. Woo! It's like the enemy has so many things he can work with, but with the spirit of the Lord, he can take you on from victory to victory. But I'm telling you, there can be some clashes. And the only way you're going to get through is with the walk with God. Praise God. Praise God. Mm-mm. The spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard, a war banner against him and say, that's enough. See, God will never allow you to be tempted with more that you can bear but he will allow you to be tested. He will absolutely allow it and the enemy will bring it. There is something about temptation where if you didn't have it, you don't have anything to overcome. And so it's not like we enjoy it when it shows up, but if it shows up, we're certainly going to put up a resistance and the enemy is going to know we're not an easy target. Mm -mm. You know, all terrorist organizations, when they are faced with resistance, they turn around they flee. Why? They're a bunch of losers and cowards. And, uh, anytime they go up against good guys that are pros and that are skilled, they always turn and run like a bunch of babies and losers. They're just a bunch of losers. Praise God they go hide behind even their own children. They use their own children and wives as shields to hide behind. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Praise the Lord. But my friends, God's going to give you the victory. Praise the Lord. Faith commits God's integrity to confirm his word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So this is the amazing thing about the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at this. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. That means set you apart as holy, sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's going to allow you to have dominion in your life. Dominion, not only over, uh, the unmowed lawn, dominion, not over only the unwashed dishes, dominion, not only over the unvacuumed car, but dominion over inward inclinations that would want to go the wrong direction. Look, if you don't rule your inclinations, they'll rule over you. You need to rise up and show who's in control here. Take dominion, take it strong. Praise God. You, listen to me, you and you only are the captain of your destiny. Don't be waiting for grandma or for somebody else to pray for you and try to pull you through spiritually. You need to do your praying. Praise God. We get the word into you. Praise God. You're the captain of your ship. Ain't nobody else sailing your ship for you. You are the captain of your destiny. Praise God. Now take control of it because it is a destiny of dominion. It is a destiny that will bring much glory and honor to God and will influence the lives of others. Pastor Stephen, God put all of that in me. It is in the package of redemption. If you'll open it up and look into it, you'll find dominion way at the top. Praise God. Lift your hands. Father, I thank you that you're able to sanctify your people in the midst of a very polluted world. I thank you, Father, that you're able to allow your people to triumph in a world financially that is nothing but like a roller coaster that's up and down. Father, I thank you that you are able to keep your people healthy, even in a world where sickness and disease sweeps through sometimes with, uh, uh, viruses and plagues that affect many people, but there's victory in faith. There's dominion through faith. The father, I thank you that as we have talked about these five keys to, uh, experience an empowerment for dominion, I thank you that your people will not settle for anything lower than the standard that you have set for them. Now we give you praise. We dismiss excuses and we embrace our responsibilities as mature believers in the word. And we thank you, Father, that the day will come when we will hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. So I pray for your people because those statements, Father, that the Lord will make, they're made to individuals. They're made to individuals. So I pray for the individual watching me and listening to me right now. And I thank you, Father. Each person must come through on their own. They cannot come through brother so-and-so's faith. They can't come through on their best friend's faith. They have to come through on their own into the place of sanctification, into the place of dominating faith. Pull them through, O oh God, by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, I see them now as more than conquerors. I see you, my friend, as an overcomer. Now, Father, we give you all the praise. We thank you for your spirit's help, that you are an ever-present help in time of need. We give you all of the praise that you are more than enough. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say today, amen and amen. Glory to God. If you're watching me today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what are you waiting on? Come on in to the camp of victory and get your life right with God today. If you used to be a Christian, but you fell away, you know, perhaps you were never taught how to walk in victory. And so you were an easy target. That's what the enemy does look for. And you didn't have enough word defense in you to stand on, come on back and get a sharp sword in your hand and turn the battle, and find out that God can give holy vengeance, amen, as those things that used to defeat you and plague you are now trampled underneath your feet in Christ. Come back right now. Jesus will wipe your slate clean. Let us pray together. Say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you completely. I repent of all of my sins. Wash me clean, O God with the blood of Jesus, Jesus come into my heart, save me now, write my name in your book of life, and Jesus, step into my life today, and lead me, and guide me, in all that I do, thank you for saving me, in your name I pray, amen, and amen. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. He just saved your soul. He just restored you. Amen. (laughs) Woo. Praise God. Welcome back into the camp of victory. Praise the Lord. Well, if you are a Christian, you can take communion. Let's all take communion together. We as believers taking communion all around the world. Amen. Obeying the scriptures also. I want you to grab some grape juice. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab a little cracker, a little wafer. And if you don't have that, just grab from a loaf of bread, tear off a little piece of bread. Praise God. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. Through this prayer, we set it apart as being holy. We thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. And so, Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we receive his flesh. We thank you for dominion. As we receive the body, we thank you that we are empowered through faith for dominion over all of the works of the enemy. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we receive. Amen. Let's partake together. Praise God there are some of you you're watching me and those symptoms of sickness that you've had there. It's like they, they've left for a little bit. They they're been traumatized by the, by the strength of the word. And as you stay in the word, uh, you can keep it off until it just, it's gone. It falls off completely. Amen. God's word is very powerful. It's working and the victory is already secured for you. So stand, keep standing on the word. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, we were healed. We thank you, Father God, for the great price that Jesus paid. We thank you for forgiveness of sins. We give you all the praise. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Let's receive the Lord's blood together. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory to God. At this time, let me put up on the screen ways that you can give to support the ministry. And I want to say thank you for your giving, because of your giving, we are able to preach the gospel three times a week from Bethlehem, Israel. Guess who gets to hear that? Hamas. They hear it in, Gaza, in the Gaza Strip. You better believe it. Yes, Palestinians there, watch. Praise the Lord and as well as many Israelis. Thank you for helping us to be on the air uh, on Holy Land broadcast, uh, Broadcasting Network three times a week out of Israel, as well with a potential viewing audience now of over 3 billion people through uh, GEB, Golden Eagle Broadcasting Network, as well as through God TV. Praise God, we are reaching around the world in over 200 nations. I can't do it without your help. Without my online church members and my ministry partners, I simply could not do this. So thank you for standing with us as we preach the gospel, not only through the internet, but also through uh, television, through the medium of satellite television around the world. Praise God. I'm praying for you. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your prayers. And my friends, continue on this week with bold faith as you are now empowered to walk in dominion. Father, bless your people. Give them a great week in Jesus' name as they continue on this week in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm praying over your giving and I'm praying over you. Praise the Lord. Have a great day. God bless you. Bye-bye.